and welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Tash. And I'm Emma. Hello. Hello. How are you, lovely ladies? All good, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. I think I say that every week, don't I? How are you, lovely ladies? I'm glad someone <laughs> says that I'm a lovely lady at least you once a, a week. You are a lovely lady, though. Thank I think you. you are the loveliest. One That's of rude. the lovely. No, one of the loveliest. <laughs> <laughs> one of. I'm sorry, Tasha. I can't help that I'm Emma's I'm favourite. So, so there. Mm. No, no, I don't, I don't play favourites. I know you don't. I have a little correction corner from last week. Correct away. So I told people that if they were going to get burnt at the stake to request wet wood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I found the diagram. It was dry wood. I honestly, when you were saying it, I didn't think wet wood made sense because it would create a lot of steam. And steam is hurty. I just went along with whatever you said. Oh, I could go both ways. Yes, yeah, smoke from the wet, wet wood. Absolutely got to sleep. And then I'll be like, the other side, well, at least you burnt quicker. Burns your nerves off, then you die. I think that's what they're going with. I don't know. Yeah. So I just hope that nobody has been burnt at the stake during that week where I didn't correct that mistake. <laughs> it's yeah. dry wood, guys. You need How the dry wood. How did they know, wood. though? Did they stop someone when they were nearly burnt to death? It was like, excuse me, ma'am. Do you think that you had the best, made the best choice in wood? Dry wood <laughs> makes sense, though, because... It creates more smoke, and therefore you die of smoke inhalation. In inhalation, how do you say that? Inhalation. Inhalation. Is it dry dry wood or wet wood? It's no, dry, dry wood. wood. No, dry wood would create less smoke. No, dry wood's going to create steam from the water in the wood, which That's we don't wet wood. want. That's wet wood, babe. You're saying the wrong. Uh, yeah, word. wet wood, wet wood, wet wood. We're talking about the wrong wood. God, wood is hard. <laughs> we just say wood a lot. It's very awkward. Wood is hard. Wood is hard. I'm just stating the facts. <laughs> anyway, as everything in life, we are pro-choice. You choose whatever wood you want, hun. The diagram yeah. said dry wood, though. Yeah. So that, that's just my two pennies worth. Also, you guys. <laughs> yeah. When I asked Tash if she was getting monks and gnomes confused because she was convinced that all monks do is do the gardening, like yeah. a garden gnome. Yeah. Becky then broke into song going, hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> that's not gnomes, that's dwarves. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't, didn't mean to offend any, dwar- uh, any gnomes out there. I am very deeply sorry. Yeah, gnomes I'm don't sorry. sing hi-ho, hi-ho. Happy, grumpy, dopey, bashful, all of you guys. I wondered where you were going with those names. I was like, what is she saying? <laughs> I remembered. It's the seven dwarves. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them. Happy. Sneezy. Doc. Doc's the best. No, dopey's the best. No, he isn't. There was so much venom in that. Fuck dopey. I just feel that everyone says that we should say it's dopey just to keep him happy. But really, Doc's the best. Who would you want to make you a picnic? I'd rather it be Doc than dopey. (laughs) Who would you prefer to make a picnic? That's such a random thing to say. That's how I decide a lot of things. I was like, what do I do? 
go out with this person or this person who would make the better picnic wet wood or dry wood <laughs> or dry wood for a picnic <laughs> any wood wood <laughs> oh and last week now nobody heard this because it got cut out when i was editing but I mentioned that I'd had another creepy experience at my house and I never actually got around to telling people what it was. Oh, didn't you? No, I didn't. Did we get sidetracked? Yeah, oh yeah, we did. That's not like us. I know. <laughs> so odd. We spent three minutes talking about wood and picnics and dwarves now. <laughs> <laughs> dwarves, not gnomes. Not the same thing. Yeah, I know they're not. No, anyway. So the spooky thing that happened was basically months and months and months ago, I'll explain to you guys the layout of my house, the two bedrooms, a long corridor. So one bedroom can see straight into the other if the doors are open. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking down this corridor. No, I'm actually in the corridor. I think I was nipping to the loo during the night and I saw like a little shadow child, like just kind of peek at me from the door and then like go back into the room and vanish but I thought I'm sleepy because it's the middle of the night I'm not awake I probably didn't just see that that's I didn't really think much of it I just right. thought I was kind of seeing things so you're yeah. doing the thing that we always say why do people ignore everything you just did it yeah exactly yeah but it was the middle of the night and you know when you get up for a sleepy wee right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the coldest wheeze that we ever have. Yeah, it's like you just lay there like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And you get in back into your warm bed, but your bum's still cold from the toilet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the sleepy wee. Yeah. Anyway, I was on the bed last week, I think, or the week before, talking to Ben. So Ben stood in my doorway, but I can still see down the hallway past him. He's not like, he's not a... You know, he's not huge. He didn't take up the whole doorway. I yeah. can still see down the corridor. It's broad daylight. I'm wide awake. And I saw a little shadow child dash past and down the stairs. Oh, my God. So now I'm thinking that maybe I did see what I saw the first time. That's disgusting. Disgusting? I mean, it, it wasn't like crawling backwards, like doing a crab or anything. It wasn't peeking at you. It was just running around. Just makes me feel sick. It just shot past my vision and it just looked like a little shadow child. So that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, horrible. I suggest moving or burning the house, but you know. Well, um, it's not my house to burn, so I probably won't do that. But yes, yeah, moving soon, yeah, yeah. moving soon. I wasn't particularly frightened. It was just like, oh, oh I did just see that. Oh, yeah. okay. And it was like a really dense black, like not just like a see-through thing. Like a silhouette, like a walking shadow, but solid. Solid, yeah. Couldn't see through it. That's what my sleep demons look like. Yeah, but I was wide awake. You see, because that's what I thought. I was, what, the first time I was like, mm, sleepy, could possibly be a little sleep demon, who knows, you know. The second time I was wide awake, it was the middle of the afternoon. So it's very odd. Yeah, it's a no from me. No. But yeah, it's definitely a no from me. Maybe move out of that house. Well, I wonder if it's one of the purple lip ladies' children. Oh, you can stop. Fuck off. <laughs> Stop it. Want to what colour its lips are? Stop it. Or else I'm not playing anymore. Okay. Okay. Also, go on. 
before we go over to Tinder with Tash. Yeah. You know how I always think it's ridiculous how you get icks over silly things? I've got a new ick today, but yeah, go on. <laughs> well, there we go. I found out that I've got an ick. Go on. So my friend sent me some photos of a, a man she'd been working with. Yeah. And it was at a posh do and this guy was giving a speech. To be honest, I don't really know what my friend does. I think it's quite an important thing that she does. And they were at this thing. <laughs> this is a really explicit um, story, isn't it? I'm giving you all the details. Yeah. She met this guy there and she sent me photos of him and he was gorgeous. I mean, tall, dark, handsome, beautifully fitted suit, gorgeous yeah. man. And then she filmed him getting up to give his speech. And yeah. obviously it's a crowded room. Oh my God, what are you going to say? Everybody's chattering. As he began to speak, he went, shh. Oh shh. No, he didn't. Oh, yeah, he did. No. he did. Why did he shush people? He shushed people. And I was like, no, ick. I didn't, I, I, no. Ick. Why did he shush them? Well, because he was about to give a, a speech. So it, I don't like the shush noise, though, because when you did that, I kind of recoiled away from my microphone, even though well, the exactly sound wasn't coming out of there. But I was like, ooh. My friend was like, oh, I thought it was really hot the way he was like asserting dominance. And I was. I think hot if you're chatting, if you're talking at them and they want you to be quiet so they can kiss you. Shush me then. Fine. I think that's what was going on in her head. She was like, oh, he he can shush me anytime kind of thing. Yeah, I see that. That's sexy. But him shushing in a room, adults. If they don't want to listen to your speech, hun, then just carry on talking. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what other way he could have got a whole room of people to stop chattering. Get a glass, you clink a glass. You, oh, that's, yeah, it's a good point. You know, ding, 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 and then other people shush. The speech giver is not the shusher. No. The the minute it happened, I was like, no, ick. Yeah. And he, he was gorgeous. No, dry vagina, mate. Yeah, ick. And my friend was like, you, you're mad, you're mad. I was like, I didn't even know I got icks. Yeah, everyone gets icks, and it's such an unreasonable ick. You're so, we're so unreasonable being disgusted by that. My ick today was I took the kids to a fast food restaurant after swimming, and you know they have the bits where you can separate your the items on your that you're putting into the rubbish. You can tip away the drink. You can put the straw in one bit because it's cardboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We were sat so you could see the bin bit and this guy not only dropped some of his rubbish on the floor, but he also stood there and did the separation thing, which is act like it's great. You're an eco king, but also <laughs> such a loser doing it. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> because he dropped some of his stuff on the floor and bent down to pick it up. And I was like, <laughs> you're so gross. <laughs> Tasha, you would have left it. No. Tasha, all you're telling people is that you litter no. and that you don't recycle properly. No, I absolutely wouldn't litter. I absolutely would pick it up. In fact, I picked up a burger off the floor that was not even mine that got dropped. I picked that up. I absolutely would pick stuff up off the floor. But I just, watching him do it just made me feel so disgusting. What, did you want him to be, like, super so, chad and, like, be like, I'm just, like, leave it all at the side? 
Yeah, but then he like tipped the drink away in the drink bit as well. Like, oh, but it makes me feel weird putting because I never drink it all. I always have like half the drink left. Yeah, it makes me feel weird if I just put the whole thing in the bin. And I'm thinking that's going to tip out, and the poor person. I would just take the drink with me and finish it in the car or on the way home. I've usually got like shopping or whatever, and I can't be walking around with the drink. I respect that he did it. But it also gave me the ick. No, but icks are unreasonable. There, it's irrational. It's irrational and it's unreasonable. Because all he was doing was the right he thing. He absolutely was doing the right thing and he's extremely commendable and I commend him and I f- congratulate him for doing that. But equally, I now don't want to have sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> but... I think he was in a lose-lose situation, Tash, because if he hadn't have picked it up and if he hadn't have done his recycling properly, you would have also been like, oh, no, you're a dirty bastard. I just would have thought he was a dick. I don't know he would have given me the ick in the same way. Well, would you have still wanted to shag him? Listen, babe, I don't even really know what the guy looked like and whether I wanted to shag him initially. He just now has no chance. Ruined his chances. (laughs) I think the guy was in a lose-lose situation. Maybe. There's nothing he could have done that would have been right. Like most men, to be fair. (laughs) I have a very short ick, if you... Maybe you would share this ick. Go on. And when you were talking about a speech earlier, it just reminded me of it, and it's given me an ick from when I was in secondary school in the UK. Because we had a teacher that did it all the time. You know when people are... Either teachers are walking around at the front of the class yeah. or when someone's giving a speech. And it's usually guys that do do this. I've never seen a woman do it. Uh, they put their hands in their pocket and they kind of swing back and forwards on their feet. <laughs> I know. It pisses I me off so mean. much. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Stand up. Stop swinging. I thought you were going to talk talk about the uh, change jiggle, you know, when they pretend to like jiggle the change when actually they're just itching their balls. Well, that also annoys me. But this is like, you, they wouldn't jiggle their change in front of like a room full of people when they're giving a speech. But they'd like rock, turn their feet into little rocking chairs and start rocking. You know what I mean? And, and I they're usually pushing their hands forward in their pockets as well at the same time. And it just annoys me so much. For some reason, this week I was wearing like fitted trousers for work. Cute. And I was like, I'm going to do the, the speech swing and see what I'm going to... And then it, I felt disgusted and had to sit down. <laughs> It made me feel really icky about myself and I had to take, I, I got changed after that. I was like, I'm not going to wear them trousers if that's what it's going to do to me. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about teachers doing icky stuff, yeah. we had a, a female teacher who used to come and, while she was checking on your work, I don't know what she had going on down there, but she would scratch her fanny against the corner of the table. <laughs> oh that's weird no she didn't she did she did miss fanny scratcher (laughs) miss mccorner fanny i hope it was a medical issue and not just like horny she probably had thrush or crabs oh and for the americans out there fanny is a is the front bum to us (laughs) the front bum yeah (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, 
Yeah, moving on. Tendo Atash, let's listen to this beautiful jingle. Oh, yes. Get ready for this. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to know, girls? I I think we should talk about last night, Tash. What? <laughs> tell everybody what happened last night. Last night, I'm laying in my bed. It wasn't particularly late. Maybe like half nine. Oh no, it was earlier than that. It's six o'clock, and I got a message from an unsaved number saying, "Hi, how are you?" It's been a long time. I have no, absolutely no idea who this person is. So I'm bit, I'm being quite blunt. I'm sort of just a, hi, I'm okay, thanks. How are you? Blah, blah. And um, she's telling us this. This guy doesn't know, but he was in a four-way conversation. Yeah. And me and Becky are just like, please tell him that you don't know who he is. Please tell him that you don't know who he is. It was a blatant booty call, right? definite booty call i'm being quite blunt and like not rude but just like straight to the point answers he knows where i live or like the area that i live in which would indicate that i have spoken to him at some point and i got the whole oh i'm working in your area so i thought of you are you still single yeah are you still single So he's said my name several times in the messages. Then there's the whole, he's turned around and said to me, oh, I I love being single. I was like, oh, do you? Because, like, you're hitting me up. Yeah. So he's like, oh, like, do you want to meet? And I was like, I've got a confession. I cannot remember who you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know where we've matched I don't know if I've met you I'll be honest people I couldn't tell you if I'd slept with him like literally no idea who this person is he has confirmed that we have not slept together so I I guess that's a bonus okay that that that, yeah that's good that's good yeah yeah and then um (laughs) what did he say Tash come on what did he say he um he said (laughs) anyway yeah he then decided to send me a picture of his naked bottom (laughs) which we saw by the way which yeah they saw but what did he say when he posted the pictures he said if you don't remember my face you must remember my ass." And I just literally put, as if you sent me that. <laughs> he sent two. He sent two, didn't he? He sent me two different pictures. I just of find his bottom. very strange. Very strange interaction. I asked him why we hadn't met. And he said, we just kind of stopped talking. Hang on, right. This is where I'm confused. So he'd obviously already sent you bottom pics. Well, so he says, but I still can't remember... But he had the fuzziest ass I've ever seen. Yeah, it, was it is fuzzy, really hairy. But like a fuzz. It was weird. 
<laughs> it's just very strange. The whole thing is very strange. <laughs> Highly enjoyable for us, though. Yeah, really hilarious. And did he ever give you a name? Obviously, don't say. No, but I don't know what his name is. He never gave you a name. No, and then he did say, would you like us to meet? And I just said, you'll have to win me over. And he just put, okay. And then he persisted to not win you over. Yeah, exactly. I think he was counting on the bottom to win you over, but mate. So weird, isn't it? Well, he re- he remembered he remembered Tash. I mean, Tash is unforgettable, and she's got a cracking ass. I do, I do. But I would <laughs> so modest too. I don't even message somebody first anyway because I think whoa, 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 whoa. Little Miss Cringy text message. <laughs> I don't think we should be going down there. Don't be saying things like, I don't message people first. No, what I'm saying, though, is if if I scrolled through my phone now and had numbers of people saved in there that I'd spoken to previously and it's fizzled out for whatever reason, I wouldn't then take it upon myself now to message them because it's fizzled out. But yeah, so that was uh, that was Tinder with Tash this week. So yeah. That, and it was highly entertaining. It made my night last night, especially. It was so funny, wasn't it? this guy had no idea that it was a four-way conversation. Literally no clue. Well, thanks, Tash. And thanks, the random guy. We still don't know who you are. and We still don't know who you are. But we've seen your bottom. Yeah. Um, and we called it the fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Uh, right. Your song, Tash. Oh, yeah, I did a song and it was, in fact, Hey There, Delilah. It was indeed. By the Plain White Tees. And I got five right answers. Yeah, I got some right answers as well on Instagram. Oh, so I got Leanne, Stacey, Megan, Nicole and Joey. Big up. Well done, everybody. And Becky, I guessed it right. You don't get... But we had to cut it out. You don't play. Yeah, I still play because I think I'm winning. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get doubles on Instagram, Tash, or different people? I think Jason got it right, but I can't find his message. Jason, you possibly got it right. Maybe you didn't, but maybe you did. I'm sure you did, Jason. I'm sure you just didn't tell me. But we were talking about the Sally house. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jason and his band, Jason's trying to convince his band to go and stay, not Sally House, but the house in Pontefract. Oh, yes, Jason, do it. Also, how cool. He's in a band. Where can we listen to your band? Actually, great. Great question. Jason, where can we listen to your band? It would be good to know where we can follow you and where we can listen to your music. Actually, because I think the girls would love your music. And please, we would love you to go and stay at the Pontefract house. And I did say to him, if he did go and stay, that we'd have him on to talk about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So just to make that clear, we got Leanne, Stacey, Megan, Nicole, Joey, possibly Jason. So well done, everybody, because I didn't have a frigging clue about that one. But it's a good song. It's a great song. It is a good song. Shall we get into things? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Becky, you're up. Madam, Madam Murder. Oh, me first? Yeah. It is, it is you first. Miss Murder. 
the the only thing with this story that I'll say in the beginning, it's another one of those where the dad has the same name as the son. Okay. So it's it's a junior situation. Yeah. But the dad of the dad has also got the same name. So what I'm going to do is call the guy that I'm going to talk about would be Ward Weaver the third, and his dad. I'll just say Ward Weaver the second. Ward Weaver. Yeah, Ward Weaver is his full name. Okay. Yeah, Ward is the first name. Okay. Anyway, so born on the sixth of April, nineteen sixty-three, in Northern California, Ward Weaver the third was. Raised by his father, Ward Weaver II. But not for very long because he practically abandoned his whole family when his son was four years old. Weaver's mother remarried a heavy drinker who often beat Weaver with his belt. Nice! We're getting on the kind of classic, horribly... Horribly brought up. Yeah. But Weaver would in turn take out his frustrations on his younger siblings. Weaver first exhibited antisocial behaviour as a teenager. His sister Tammy later said that he physically and sexually abused at least one family member by the time he was 12 years old. Jesus. That sounds cheery. Yeah. And his half-brother Robert Boudreaux claimed that Weaver frequently beat him during their childhood. His youngest sister said that she didn't have any memories of her brother where he wasn't hurting her. So he's a piece of work. Yeah. But obviously abuse, the cycle of abuse is going with this one. So he's getting the shit beaten out of him by his stepdad and then he's going to take it out on his siblings. Yeah. I mean, it's it's common, isn't it? It shouldn't be, but that that does happen, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know if it's that common that soon. Yeah, maybe. That was very young, wasn't it, to think of yeah. sexual abuse. I don't know if there was anything else going on with the stepdad or someone else in the family for him to start that. Yeah, if if he was raised thinking that was normal, I can see why the, the behaviour repeated. In April 1981, when Weaver was 18 years old, a younger teenage relative of him accused him of raping her and beating her. Police investigated, but later dropped the charges because Weaver had just enlisted in the Navy and would be leaving for the Philippines, which I don't understand. So you're in the army, so we'll let you off. Yeah, you're going, yeah, you're leaving, so we can't be arsed with you. Makes sense. Yeah. By May 1982, Weaver was dishonorably discharged for heavy drinking and failure to do his duty. So he came back to America and brought his Filipino girlfriend, Maria Stout, home with him. They would marry in August 1984. The couple would have four children altogether. And Weaver's pattern of abuse and control and violence would continue throughout their relationship. So, Yeah, I I kind of expected that next sentence. Mm. After a few years, the couple moved to Bakersfield, California with Weaver hoping to reconnect with his father, who was on trial for murder. What? Oh, is this the real father that abandoned his family? This is the father, yeah, not the stepfather. This is He's trying to reconnect with his bio-father, who abandoned him when he was about four or five years old. Okay, and he's a murderer. Yeah, he was on trial for murder. 
Nice. Weaver III's father, Weaver II, in 1981, he was a truck driver. And one night, as he was driving down a long dark road, he came across a young couple that had broken down. Weaver stopped to help the couple with their car. It's not clear what set Weaver off, but at one point he beat the 18-year-old lad to death with a lead pipe. Who is just doing this? Like, what happened to just lending them your phone or just driving past and then getting the emergency services? Yeah, well, it's the 80s. I don't think mobile phones were a thing. I assume being a trucker, he had a radio, though. He could have radio for help. Or, you know, just don't beat people with a lead pipe. That's just baffling, isn't it? It just literally goes... The thing is with these murder stories, it goes from 0 to 100, doesn't it? Yeah. I just think if you thought that a teenager would annoy you to the point where you want to beat him to death with a lead pipe, maybe you shouldn't have stopped. Also... Bearing in mind, I work in the service industry. If everyone who annoyed me, I ended up beating them to death with a a pole. There'd be no one left. (laughs) There'd be no one left, yeah. You would be the world's biggest serial killer. Yeah. Just do some, like, meditation or something. Yeah, go do some yoga. Go and have a cup of tea. But he didn't, (laughs) anyway. Killed this guy. Yeah. But he might have done it on purpose to do what I'm about to tell you next. So what he did was he kidnapped the girlfriend... Of course he did. Yeah, he beat the lad to death and then kidnapped his 23-year-old girlfriend. He put her in his truck and he repeatedly raped her on the way back to his California home. Filth. Yeah. At one point, the woman bit his finger, so he strangled her to death. She should have bitten his fucking cock off. That's what she should have done. Yeah. But bless her, trying to fight back. Sick bastard. Poor girl. He then made his 10-year-old son, so not Weaver the second, this is a different son. Because, of course, these people just breed like fucking rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. He then made his 10-year-old son help him dig a hole. He told the 10-year-old boy that there was a broken sewer pipe that he needed to fix, which is why he needed help digging this hole. So at least he didn't tell the 10-year-old, at least he didn't have the body right there and made the 10-year-old help him dig a hole. Which is what I thought when I was reading this at first. I mean, it's a it's a small silver lining, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's still absolutely disgusting. But it could have been worse, yeah. given the type of person that he is. So, Weaver II covered the woman's body with concrete and built a wooden deck over the space. Weaver would quickly be connected to the murders, as a witness had seen him stop to speak to the couple... The witness, a man named James Powell, had also stopped and had offered the couple a ride um, just before Weaver stopped with his truck. But he could only take them to Tearchappy, which I'm not sure if that's how that's pronounced. But I'm going with it. So this place was in the opposite direction to where the couple were headed, so they refused the lift. And as he was driving away, that's when he saw Weaver stop. Weaver would be charged with the murders and would go on to receive the death sentence for his crimes. Good. Police also suspected that he was a serial killer and could be involved in up to 24 other unsolved murders that were very similar. Oh my God. So he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he never admitted to them. But it would make sense because for a first time kill, would you just go up to somebody random 
and beat them with a pipe to death. I mean, you've got to have a certain, you've got to be a certain kind of fucked up to be able to do that, right? That mm. doesn't sound like a first time kill to me. No, I agree. Yeah. He's gone off to prison and they killed him. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Good. He's, he had the death sentence. So. I mean, I don't know how I feel about the death sentence, but when these people, there's like no denying that they've done these awful things. You can't, you can't help but think good. At least they're not doing it anymore. It's yeah. conflicting, isn't it, the death sentence? Because obviously they're a drain on society and they're using money that could be put into other things, being kept in prison. But also, you're taking someone's life. It's very conflicting, isn't it? Two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. And there's always the chance that could be innocent. I mean, it's not the case here. Yeah, there's the chance they could be innocent. And also, once you're dead, you're no longer being punished. Yeah. Exactly. What's worse, dying or just living in prison for the rest of your life? Miserable. Yeah. The only thing that kind of plays into that is the fact that the amount of people, especially in these stories, they just get out and yeah, then they do it again. That's true. That's what I don't like. The fact that some dickhead is like, oh, yeah, this person doesn't want to kill anyone anymore. And the minute they get out of prison, that's what they do. Yeah. I know that lots of people do get out of prison and they're completely changed, reform. You know, they've completely turned their life around, which is great. Murderers, though murderers yeah do they, exactly. do they change i think maybe possibly i don't know i could be talking out my ass here but like young teenagers have got in with the wrong crowd and have fucked up and they've killed somebody exactly it depends on the circumstances around the murder so if if it's like a a gang murder perhaps where it, that was the initiation stab someone and then that person died yes you've murdered someone but that wasn't the intent perhaps that I think you can perhaps reform from. Or it was the intent, but you were just so, like... Wrapped up in that environment. Yeah. And you can probably get reformed for that. But, yeah, yeah. this guy does not sound like he would no. be reformed. Yeah, or people that murder their abusers and then they have to go to prison. You know, it's, it's all... Yeah. It's a very grey, isn't it? Grey area. I don't think a serial killer can be reformed. There we go. No. no. Oh, no, no. And I knew that's what you were getting at. Yeah. 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 Back to Weaver the Third. So the son of this guy that's just been put away. June 15th, 1986, Weaver the Third attacked the teenage daughter of a friend in Fairfield, California, striking one of the girls, 15-year-old Jennifer Ordenoa, with a block of concrete. Oh Fucking God. hell. Yep. He wasn't just trying to hurt her, I'm sorry. That's not what you do to just hurt someone. He was trying to kill her. Yeah, I would say is more attempted murder. Yeah. But he was sentenced to three years in prison for the assaults, which is a load of shit. And then after his release, Weaver and his wife relocated to Canby, Oregon, where they operated a store, there Maria gave birth to their fourth child in 1989. This lady's still sticking with this guy who's just whacked a 15-year-old with a block of concrete, and she's yeah. like, 
you're still my husband and you know what let's make more people yeah with yeah i don't genes. know what's going on at home i'm not making excuses because i really don't know what was going on but i don't know if she was also an abused spouse yes but she could have pegged it because he was in prison for three years wasn't yeah, he but people do emma you'd be surprised yeah they like... haven't been such a hold and also yeah. there's the kids she was probably thinking if i leave then he's gonna come and get me he's gonna come it's a whole thing the controller it's hard, isn't it? I shouldn't be judging McGee. I mean, I'm the first person that will be like, oh, get out. But there's so much behind it. But anyway, I don't know if that was the case or whether she was also a piece of shit, but I don't know. And also some women are, or some partners of people that are in prison are literally like, ain't no way he did that. He my man. Yeah. I know him. He's a good yeah. man. That's what people yeah. are like, aren't they? What accent was that? <laughs> That was, a, it was a great accent. That's what it was. It was a great accent that nobody will ever be able to tell where it was from. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I got bronchitis. <laughs> yeah. But that is what people are like, isn't it? They're like... Yeah, absolutely. But she didn't stick with him for much longer because in 1993, Maria Weaver filed a restraining order against her husband... Good, there we go. Good girl, good girl. So they divorced. Good. In July 1995, Weaver beat his new girlfriend, Kirsty Sloan, with a cast iron skillet. Jesus Christ, man almighty, put this man in prison. He loves a heavy object, doesn't he? Yeah, cast iron are fucking heavy. That would have damaged. Yeah. I mean, concrete's not light. Yeah, but that's not just like a Teflon frying pan, is it? No. That's solid, man. Yeah. I don't want to be hit with any frying pan, to be fair. But, Mm. um, yeah. So he was jailed for that, but Sloan refused to testify against him. And by October, they were back together. Yeah, of course they were. See, so I reckon he's a bit of a manipulator, a bruiser. He knows how to get people to stay with him. I'll tell you what I think. I think he's got good wood. Oh, I knew you'd say that. (laughs) Don't say that about him. (laughs) No, he hasn't, Tash. His wood is wet as fuck. It's mouldy. It's soft. It's awful. He's got disgusting wood. It would snap (laughs) off and give you splinters. (laughs) and uh so yeah she stayed around for the wood i suppose so in february 1996 they married she's staying around because she's she's frightened she's frightened she must be yeah she's frightened she's thinking he's gonna track me down and next time it's not gonna be yeah yeah uh, just hitting me he's gonna kill me that is absolutely what she's thinking I, maybe yeah. if some someone hits you over the head with a frying pan don't let there be a next time though people come on no no but easier said than done yeah oh absolutely and like i say he just i, I reckon he's uh good at turning everything back round on them and making them feel like it's their fault and all that i'll never do it again and all that yeah. shit it was because you made me angry it's your fault by August 1997, Weaver had been divorced twice. He was renting a house at 2507 South Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City. Beaver Creek. I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> I kept the address in just for you, Emma. 
12-year-old boy bloody sense of humour. Because <laughs> um, I was like, hmm, beaver. Beaver. <laughs> Weaver's 12-year-old daughter, Mallory, so this is the youngest of the four that he had with Maria, hung out with two school friends, 12-year-old Ashley Pond and 13-year-old Miranda Gaddis. The three school friends were members of the same school dance class and Weaver's daughter had regular sleepovers with both Ashley and Miranda, along with other friends at her dad Weaver's house. Hold on. The parents of his daughter's friends are allowing their children to sleep at a convicted woman beater's house. Well, they don't know that. Yeah, I was going to say, how do they know that? They moved cities since. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently they did have often had sleepovers at Weaver's house. The neighbourhood girls walked past Weaver's house when they were walking to the school bus stop. And sometimes Weaver even gave Ashley a lift to school when she was running late or if she missed the bus. In late 2001, Ashley Pond accused Weaver of attempting to rape her at his house. And while the incident was reported to police, no charges were filed. Why not? That summer, Ashley had lived in the Weaver home to escape her own chaotic home life. Tragically, both Ashley and Miranda were both enduring sexual abuse by people in their own homes. So Ashley from her father and Miranda from her mother's boyfriend. So I don't know if any of that's been reported and they managed to make out to the police that Ashley was lying. So on the 9th of January 2002, Ashley disappeared while walking to the bus stop. Media crews swarmed the streets as weeks passed without her return and the FBI entered the case. Meanwhile, investigators learned the criminal history of the man living at the top of the street near the bus stop, which included violence towards his two ex-wives. On the 23rd of January, a media crew interviewed girls waiting at the bus stop, and one of those girls was Miranda Gladys, so Ashley's friend. You know, just doing what news pros do when they interview, like, oh, how did you know her, blah, blah, blah. Those, Those types of videos. On the morning of the 8th of March, on the same year, Miranda disappeared under similar circumstances to Ashley. After Miranda's disappearance, the Federal Bureau of Investigation instated a task force to search for the girls. The FBI believed from the beginning that the cases were related, but they kind of was crossing their fingers, hoping that they'd actually run away because of their home life and that nothing bad had happened to them. After the both girls vanished, Weaver, with the help again of his son, dug a hole in his yard and covered it with concrete. Weaver told his son it was the base for a hot tub that he was going to install later. Weaver was interviewed by a television news reporter, and as he was like walking around his house and walking around the garden, during the interview at one point he actually stood on top of the concrete slab where Ashley was buried underneath. And when the reporter asked about the slab, Weaver said, I'm putting in a jacuzzi, and the last time I checked, that wasn't against the law. Hmm. I just think he's a bit of a dickhead. Sorry, I'm just I'm just a bit confused, because Weaver the second, who's been in prison and executed or whatever, he also got his son to dig a hole 
and then concreted over the body. But you're now talking about Weaver the Third, aren't you? Doing exactly yeah, the same he's thing. Doing, doing exactly the same thing, yeah. So is that just a coincidence or did he know what his dad did and he's t- kind of trying to replicate what his dad did in some kind of fucked up ode to his dad? I don't know if he did it on purpose as like a salute to his dad, but that's how he definitely figured out that's a way to get rid of a body because his dad did that. Oh. Mm. So on the 13th of August, 2002, Weaver's stepson, Francis, called police claiming that Weaver had attempted to rape his 19-year-old girlfriend. And when he was speaking to authorities, he suggested that maybe Weaver was involved with the murders of Ashley and Miranda. So Weaver was arrested for attempted sexual assault and law enforcement managed to get a warrant to go through his property. Ashley's stepmom, who had suspected Weaver in both disappearances, put a sign up next to the concrete slab on his property, which read, dig me up. Damn straight, dig it up. Yeah. The FBI began a search of the property and they discovered Miranda's remains inside an empty microwave box in the storage shed behind his home. And then on the 25th of August, the remains of Ashley were unearthed from belief the concrete slab. Bless her heart. The, her remains had been stored in a 55-gallon barrel. Fuck's sake. In 2002, Governor John Kitzhaber launched a multi-agency investigation into the handling of the first report of Weaver's abuse of Ashley, because she did report it and they did fuck all. Weaver remained under arrest for the attempted rape of his son's girlfriend until the 2nd of October 2002, where he was indicated and charged with six counts of aggravated murder. Two counts of abuse of a corpse in the second degree, one count of sexual abuse in the first degree, one count of attempted rape in the second degree, and one count of attempted aggravated murder. And the list goes on because there's quite a lot of accounts that he was charged with. And in September 2004, he pleaded guilty to two charges at no contest to the rest. A plea bargain allowed him to avoid the death penalty, but he was sentenced to two life sentences without parole. So he's... Never getting out. Yeah, I can't remember. Actually, I didn't put down if he died. I'm not sure if he's alive. He's still alive, so he's still in prison. And get this, on the 17th of February, 2014, Weaver's son, Francis, so he was the guy who Weaver attempted to rape his girlfriend. Yeah. So he was arrested and charged with murder in 2014. He and three others had allegedly robbed and killed a drug dealer in Oregon. So on three generations. Yeah. Three generations of murderers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about the father, of about the granddad. I'm not sure about him. Uh, because we, I haven't got anything on him. It's too far back. But yeah, it's like a family business in this family. They sound like a load of dickheads to me. This is why serial killers need to not breed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it something in the genes? Is it? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? I don't know. Because you get a lot of um, that you know the sons and daughters that, that sometimes they go on to the like when they do interviews and stuff and documentaries about murderers and they're just coming on and 
saying how horrible it is to be related to someone like that. So it goes both ways. I mean, it doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah, 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 mean yeah, that course. everyone's evil, but in this case, in this particular family, it just seems to, everyone seems to have a mean streak. I can't remember which story it was, but there was another story where the father was also a serial killer. Yeah. That you've covered. I can't remember which one it was, but it's not the first time that we've come across this. Yeah. Wow. The Weaver family. Don't marry a Weaver. Don't marry a Weaver. Thanks for that. Have you finished? Yeah, finished. Thanks for that, Bex. Right. My story. I'm not impressed about my story. Oh, why not? Because it's scary. Yeah. I've, well, it scared me. Oh, I see. I've known about this story for a while, but I couldn't bring myself to do it because it frightens me a little bit. It involves a curse, right? Okay. So I don't want to be cursed because I'm a firm believer in cursed. I know some people and I'm pretty sure they're cursed because like everything they touch just does not work. Like gypsy curses and all that, you know. Do you believe in curses? Um... I tell you what, for this episode, just say yes. Just say yes. I think I do. I yeah. I think I believe in, like, bad karma and stuff like that. So I guess that I do. Yeah. Bad juju. Yeah. Juju or juju or whatever. That stuff. So this curse has actually affected thousands of people who have not been respectful and have not followed the rules. So the first rule is always to introduce yourself. So, hi Robert, I'm Emma from France, co-host of this podcast, Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. My other co-hosts are Bex and Tash. Say hi. Hi Robert. Hi. There we go. See, polite. We do introduce ourselves at the beginning of the podcast as well. I know, but we're just making doubly sure that we don't get any shit for this. All right, okay. Yeah, I'd I'd rather not be cursed, so yeah. yeah. The second rule is always ask permission before taking a photo or, I imagine, doing a podcast about him. So, Robert, I hope this is okay. I'm telling all our lovely listeners about you. The third rule is always be respectful. So, ladies, and of course me, we're all on our best behaviour, okay? Okay. Yeah, and if we do laugh at one point, we're laughing with you and not Not at at you. Not at you, definitely Because that would be rude. The fourth rule... I will say at the end, but it's always say goodbye when you leave. Okay. Okay. So I think we've covered our bases, just in case. You never know, right? You just never know. I am so on edge right now. As you may have guessed, we are talking about Robert the doll. The haunted doll, in fact. Have you heard about him? No. No. Is it where they got the idea from that film, The Boy? I I don't know. There is a film about him, but I, I don't know if it's that one. There's a rumour that he inspired Chucky, but that's not true. He didn't ins- inspire Child's Play. So most people, of course, have heard about Annabelle, thanks to the films. But Robert is lesser known, but much more terrifying, in my opinion. So Robert was originally a gift to Robert Eugene Otto from his grandfather, who purchased Robert during a trip to Germany in 1904. That's right. That makes Robert the Doll 118 years old. Wow. And he looks good on it, to be honest. Good. So the doll was made by the company Stife. Have you heard of Stife? I've heard of it. They do bears as well, don't they? They're actually the company who invented the teddy bear after Theodore Roosevelt. Roosevelt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that, that company. 
very expensive, very nice teddy bears. Robert is believed to have been originally made to be a mannequin in a window feature, so he would have been the mannequin of a little child playing with a stife bear. Oh, yeah. Because his childlike size, he would have cost a heck of a lot of money to buy, even back then. Originally, he was dressed up and he had the face colourings of either a clown or a jester or something like that. But over time, the colour in his face has gone, so he's just very pale now. And he wears a sailor suit that belonged to the little boy, Robert. Okay. Yes, Robert called the doll Robert after himself, which is very confusing. A bit narcissistic. <laughs> but, yeah. But most people called real boy Robert Gene. So it, di- it didn't really matter. Okay. Because he's Gene. Robert Eugene. He got called Gene. All right. Oh, I, I see. I thought that was a bit random. Yeah, okay. Robert Jean is not my lover. (laughs) Jean became extremely attached to Robert, spending all of his time playing with the doll. His parents thought it a bit odd, but weren't overly concerned until they began to hear Jean in full conversation with the doll. Again, nothing too surprising there, right? Full conversation is a little bit weird. But they also heard the doll talk back in a deep voice that was nothing like Jean's. That makes me feel sick. Was it like a a low voice? Like... Yes. Like that. Yeah. Things in the house would get broken and Jean would always have the same answer. Robert did it. His parents reported seeing the doll move by itself and said its expression would change into a menacing grin. I can't be doing with that. (laughs) No. They heard Jean scream multiple times at night and would walk into the room to find him pinned under Robert and Jean's other toys mutilated around the room. When he would get told off, his response was always the same. Robert did it. At that point, Robert went up into storage in the attic. Yeah. Gene eventually moved away to go to school. He went to school in New York and Paris to study art. He married Mm. a lady called Annette Parker in Paris in 1930 and the pair moved back to the Key West house where Gene had grown up. Upon arriving at the property, Gene got the doll out again. Annette did not like the doll at all and asked Gene to keep him in a separate room. So Gene set Robert up in the attic room filled with children's furniture and toys which is a bit creepy for a full-grown man to do. That's so creepy. He even gave him a little pet lion to sit with and sat him in a chair looking over the street below. Gene made this room his painting studio, so he was always with Robert. Imagine walking by the house, looking up and seeing a a doll looking out at you. Well, exactly. Children would avoid looking up at the window, as many said they saw the doll move to stare at them walk by. Yeah. Others said the doll would vanish and then reappear in the window. Ah. Jean's love for Robert never faltered, however, and the pair remained together until Jean's death in 1974. Jean had become a renowned artist and a lot of his work was displayed at the Fort East Mortello Museum and his house was known as the Artist's House. His wife, Anne, died five years later after Jean of pancreatic cancer. Oh, that's sad. 
People that visited the house after Jean's death said they could hear footsteps coming from the attic and giggling. Yeah, nah. <laughs> a plumber who was doing some work in the house said he too heard the giggling and saw Robert move from one side of the room to the other. It's mm, so a no from me. A reporter also visited Robert and said that at first the doll looked a little sad and confused, a bit like, what are these people doing in my house? His friend then explained the story of Robert, to which the reporter replied, well, Gene Otto must have been a bit of an old fool, and Robert's facial expression turned into one of anger and seemed to be glaring at them. Ooh. The reporter said, quote, there is some kind of intelligence there. The doll was listening to us. Yeah. Now, how and why the doll is haunted is somewhat of an unknown. There are theories that stand up more than others, but here's the one I think is a strong possibility. When Jean was little, his father, Thomas, reportedly had an affair with their servant, Emmeline Abbott, who was from the West Indies. Now, it's said that they together had an illegitimate child who sadly passed away at a young age. The mother is said to have used magic to trap her child's spirit in the doll. So this could explain Jean's attachment to it as it could have been his half-sister communicating with him. This also stands up as employees of the museum have seen the apparition of a little girl wandering around Robert's display case. Poochie Myers, a fantastic name. Yeah, that's a brilliant really cool name. Poochie Myers, who was the caretaker of the artist house in the 1980s, also said she saw the little girl sat on the staircase looking angry. In 1974, Myrtle Ruta purchased the artist house and also became the new owner of Robert. To begin with, she felt an attachment to the doll. She even kept him when she moved to her new residence six years later but her attachment soon turned to fear as Robert began vanishing and reappearing in different parts of the house. Oh. He went as far as to lock her in a room. It would seem that he did not appreciate moving house. Ruta decided the best thing for Robert was to go to the museum where all of Jean Otto's work was displayed, and so she donated him in 1994, telling them specifically that he was haunted and a part of the Otto family, and he should be placed with Otto's work. That's kind of nice, though. I think he'd like it being with Otto's artwork. Absolutely. So Ruta died a few months later. Oh. To begin with, Robert sat in the museum director's office in his own chair, but Joe Pace began to notice the doll staring at him, and he was sure that the chair was moving when he wasn't looking. His colleagues also disliked the doll and refused to come into his office if Robert was there. And so Robert was put into storage and only showed to visiting guests who requested to see him on appointment only. Staff were so afraid of Robert that they would often convince people to book at a time that they weren't on shift so they didn't have to get Robert out to show them. Oh, wow. Eventually, in 1996, as requests to see Robert became more and more frequent, the museum decided to put him on display in his own glass case. Once on display, stuff got weirder. People's phone batteries would die instantly when trying to take pictures. Objects around his case would move. People would hear Robert whispering to them as they walked past. 
Not a fan of that. No. no. One of the employees said that they often noticed Robert had changed positions in his case and that one time, she said, as she started work, she saw little wet footprints leading up to his display case and as she looked at Robert, she noticed he had dirty feet. Um, I don't like it. No. I'm not liking this. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not liking it. <laughs> he got out of his case when no one was looking and went for a walk. And dirty feet. Why does that freak me out more? It's because I know that he went far. Ugh. Shall I show you what he looks like? Because then you'll have a mental yeah. image. Yeah, that's a no for oh, me. Yeah. He looks like the Hannibal Lecter of dolls. But we're being super respectful, so he looks like a charming young man. I do like his little outfit. That's cute. I do like, yeah. He's got great fashion sense for a sailor. Is that the picture being blurry or does he not have any fa- many facial features left? No, he's quite, it's like a felty face. Oh, right. He's, uh, yeah. Because I was thinking like a wooden shiny face, a bit like Annabelle. No, no, it's felty features. And that sailor outfit, he didn't come with that sailor's outfit. That's actually Jean Otto's outfit from when he was a little boy that he changed the doll into. So, yeah, not only did he give the doll his name, he also gave the doll his clothes. Oh, yeah. Also, how big is he? Oh, I don't have it written down, but he is like a four-year-old, five-year-old child size. Yeah. Well, for his age, he's not looking bad. When you think that it's a child's plaything. No, 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 he's look, he's looking good. But he, he is in a glass display case to protect him. Yeah, but he still was a child's toy for a while and with the way that my kids treat their toys oh well it's stife you see yeah well made well made people don't only believe that robert is haunted but also that he has the capacity to curse people david sloan said that he had some strange experiences while doing research and writing his book on robert He said that he lost four hard drives and the computer techs were able to retrieve everything except the book manuscript. Backups of the manuscript also disappeared. More than one spirit medium also advised him to build a fireproof safe for his valuables while he was working on the book. Sloan was told that if Robert didn't approve of the book, he would give Sloan cancer. Sloan also said that he was pulled from his bed held suspended in midair, and that he had been levitated. Sloan is also the one that founded the ghost tour in Key West that in 1996 influenced Robert's move from the museum storage to permanent display. So again, I don't get it. Why continue with the book? You'd just give up, right? You'd just be like, no. Nah. I don't like that part where he said that he'd give you cancer. Is that what he said? Yeah. Or did I mishear that? No, no. I don't like that. No. There's lots of things going on that I'm not liking. No, this is this is why I've spent so long umming and ahhing about this story, because it's scary. Yeah, don't blame me. It's really creepy. So Jessica Norman is the manager of the artist house, and she put a decorative bowl of plastic lemons on the reception desk. The lemons suddenly started to disappear. Guests checking out would return them. 
They didn't say anything, but they just put the lemons back. About a month later, a package arrived with no name, no note and no return address. Just a lemon. A lemon? Well, yeah, that these lemons are just getting packed into people's stuff and they're like, yeah, you can... So he's basically telling everyone to suck lemons. <laughs> basically. Months later, a guest asked if she had seen a letter to Robert at the Fort East Martello Museum. The letter was from a woman who found a lemon amongst her and her husband's belongings when they returned home from Florida. She wrote that she and her husband had seen Robert several times but never experienced anything negative. But during their last visit, they stayed at the artist house in the turret suite below the attic room where Robert lived for many years. They decided to look in the attic and popped up the hatch door. They took pictures thinking that they might be able to catch something paranormal. The next day before checkout, they were doing some last-minute shopping. She began to feel pain, started running a fever and noticed a rash. After arriving home, a doctor diagnosed her with shingles. Her husband started to feel pain and was diagnosed with kidney stones. When she was unpacking, she found a plastic lemon wrapped up in one of her shirts. She didn't know how it got into her suitcase. She thought that Robert was the cause of her and her husband's sickness. She thought that Robert was punishing them for taking pictures of the attic without his permission. She mailed the lemon back to the artist house. And once the lemon was on its way back, she and her husband began to recover. She requested that her letter be posted near Robert. One visitor went to see Robert on her honeymoon. She respected all the rules, but sadly for them, her husband did not and just made the whole thing into a big joke. A week later, they started noticing little things happening in their home. A few objects would fall off surfaces and smash. Little taps began and then gradually as the days passed, the taps grew louder and louder and eventually turned into little footsteps. This all climaxed when his wife went into her kitchen to find every cupboard open and all the contents on the floor piled up on top of one another. I've never heard of a curse being so, like, like physical, if you know what I mean, where it's, it's gone yeah. into the home. I mean, I've heard of them making people sick or giving people bad luck, but not actually manifesting elsewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another guy who absolutely loved visiting Key West and went all the time. But this one time he decided he was going to visit Robert and he didn't return to Key West for 13 years. This is why. He thought the whole legend was ridiculous. He ignored the warning signs around Robert's case and he literally did everything wrong. He mocked Robert's appearance. He took pictures without asking He was rude and dismissive and he regretted it almost instantly. As they left, their car started to play up. Then his dog died. Then his mother got sick and she died. Then he lost his job. Then he lost another huge contract. Then he got sick. And then he got even sicker to the point where he nearly died. And then more of his pets died. It was just a continuous stream of horrendous occurrences, one after the other. He thought, what else did he have to lose? So he wrote Robert a letter of apology. And literally, days after sending it, everything changed. And all the awful things stopped happening. 
He now completely believes in the curse and understand why thousands of letters are written to Robert every year. Because yes, people who don't believe, people who make fun of him, live to regret it very soon. And their only out is to write him a letter. There is a wall near his display case covered in apology letters. Wow. So Robert, thank you for letting me tell your story. We here at Spine Chillers and Serial Killers wish you well. Goodbye. Goodbye, Robert. Goodbye. Thank you for your story. Woo! You sound stressed, yeah, Emma. that wasn't for me. <laughs> I felt very stressed listening to that. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> exactly. You, yeah. Wow. But it's crazy, right? That's madness. Absolute madness. And I think scarier than Annabelle, because Annabelle doesn't do anything like that, does she? No. Anna, oh, no. That was just horrible. Good, I am to please. Natasha, hit us with your song. I've written it on paper because I'm old school. I hear it over and over. I can't stop it. It's coming from deep inside me. Like a melody I start but can't complete. It's my nightmare playing out. It's time for it to happen. I keep trying to stop it from coming true, but I cannot push it aside. I'm standing here at the crossroads. No matter where I am, I'm no longer home. Not here. Not my own home. I've tried to say what's on my mind, and you should have known. I'm done believing you. I've told you how I'm feeling. I'm more than what you have made me. I followed you. I trusted you. Now it's down to me. I'm on my own. You should have listened. There is something here. Something I can't stop. I am alone at a crossroads. You should have listened. You should have done more. You could have stopped me. Now I'm done. I am alone. I am gone. Okay, now that's a bit poetic, ma'am. Listen, I'm a poet. Anyway, so let us know what you think, guys. Because, yeah, I haven't got a frigging clue. No idea. You guys can send anything you'd like to say to us through to... As long as it's nice, like, easy, just Yeah, 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 only nice things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Through to SCSK underscore podcast. That is our Twitter, our TikTok, and our Instagram handle. You can also catch us at Spine Chillers and Serial Killers on Facebook. And you can email Becky over at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Oh, and quickly, Megan, we did get your terrible Tinder date. We've just got to work our way through it and uh, fit it into an episode. But it, we got it. Thank you. And it will be on an episode shortly. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. So, guys, listen, stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. 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 Bye.